Hello and welcome to Organising to Win, the monthly trade union organising podcast brought to you by Unison Northwest. My name is James Bull and in this programme we'll be taking a closer look at the Trade Union Act 2016, which passed into UK law on May the 4th this year. Now, the Trade Union Act has huge implications for how working people in the UK are able to organise at work in trade unions to improve terms and conditions and achieve a better deal, um, with measures like turnout thresholds on strike ballots and draconian rules about picketing. But it's not as bad as it could have been, because a number of measures in the original bill, such as the abolition of check-off or DOCAS payments, which would have meant that unions would have had to re-sign up almost their entire membership to pay by direct debit, have been dropped as a result of a campaign by trade unions. So we'll be looking at in this programme at that question, as well as at the challenges more broadly of the Act in its final form. But first, let's have a look at the story of the Act from the beginning. It is simply the latest stage in the long journey of modernisation and reform. It will will put power in the hands of the mass membership, bring much-needed sunlight to dark corners of the movement and protect the rights of everyone in this country, those who are union members and those who are not, and those hard-working men and women who are hit hardest by industrial action. I'll give way there first. Thank you. If this bill was to be supported by the workers generally, we would have found already that there would have been some trade unions that had given it support. This bill is opposed by all those unions affiliated to the labour movement. It's opposed by all those that are not affiliated to the labour movement. And even the Royal College of Nursing has said no to this bill. It's a travesty and it's an intrusion upon the democracy of the workplace. Get rid of it! It saddens me beyond words that we're here today dealing with the most significant, sustained and partisan attack on six million trade union members and their workplace organisations that we have seen in this country in the last 30 years. With the number of days lost to strike action down 90% in the last 20 years, there is absolutely no necessity whatsoever to employ the law in this draconian way. I believe in social partnership at work. I believe that the right of trade unions to exist and represent their members at work is a key liberty in any democracy. I am dismayed that we have a government which believes in attacking trade unions rather than working with them in the spirit of social partnership to improve efficiency, economic efficiency and productivity in our country. So what does it mean for trade unions in the UK? Well, to examine the contents of the Act and discuss what response unions must have to it in order to defend workplace democracy, Kevin Lucas spoke to Unison Northwest Regional Secretary Kevin Nelson. So, Kevin, what are the significances to the changes of the Act for us here at the Unison Northwest and the wider union movement? I think in the short term the changes are very significant. I think the concessions that were secured from the government uh, following the House of Lords stage on the abolition of DOCAS and the political fund opt-in have removed the immediate uh, organisational challenge 
of switching uh, individual members to direct debit payments and of uh, securing the agreement of members to opt into the political fund. Um, it's no longer the case that DOCAS is going to be abolished. Um, instead, the union has to secure formal agreements with all employers who provide a payroll service to enable our members to pay by uh, by their wages, their union subscriptions. And that has uh, removed the requirement for us to sign up in the Northwest uh, over 150,000 uh, individual workers. Um, we had been geared up for some months to um, carry out that uh, project. Initially, we thought we'd have to do it within a year. Um, it was going to be a very tall order and it would have um, absorbed uh, our entire um, staffing resource, our activist base in that administrative process. So it's a great relief that that, um, that measure has been removed from the bill uh, and instead we can direct those resources to more productive use. So what are the plans now for us here in Unison Northwest? The removal of the threat of DOCAS abolition uh, potentially frees up a very big organising resource for us. Um, so it's a, a great situation to be in. You know, we've got 16, 18 organisers who'd been assigned to the DOCAS switch now freed up um, to be allocated to priority work. And uh, also in all of our branches, you know, they were geared up to uh, carry out that task. So. It gives us an opportunity to do some really deep organising in the northwest in a way that we haven't been able to do uh, before. I mean, we spent a few years trying to create uh, a ring-fenced organising resource to um, deploy that in a targeted way. And the uh, current thinking in the region is to address the uh, problem of uh, low unionisation in social care. Um, since the advent of outsourcing and home care and social care, we've seen a gradual decline in unionisation and alongside that a real erosion of uh, um, working conditions and pay. Um, we've also seen in recent uh, period the emergence of devolved uh, authorities in the North West, Greater Manchester and Liverpool City region and what we see is the potential to mount some very serious uh, organising work in that area of social care. And we are working up uh, projects to um, to organise uh, in the home care providers, public and private, mainly the latter, uh, alongside a political campaign to um, seek uh, support from uh, politicians for the Unison Ethical Care Charter and to begin to uh, unionise um, the home care providers. So that is likely to kick in in October. And I'm think it's going to be a very exciting project for the region. It does sound exciting. So so just going back briefly to, to the trade union bill, I mean, are there are there any challenges remaining? Or are there still threats there? Yeah, we should, shouldn't underestimate the fact that uh, the trade union bill, uh, as, as um, embodied in the final act, is a very reactionary piece of legislation. It does present a fundamental attack uh, on our right to strike. Uh, the thresholds which require 50% of all uh, balloted members to take part in the ballot is a very high bar for us to reach. So high, in fact, that in the uh, 23 years of Unison's existence, we would never have had national industrial action 
had that requirement been in place. So that poses a different, more medium-term challenge of when we uh, have disputes uh, on pay or pensions uh, at national level involving very large bargaining groups. Um, achieving that level of participation will be a real challenge uh, for the union. Um, how we develop leverage on employers in those situations um, is, is also a, a new challenge now. We can no longer simply resort to um, uh, balloting as a, a first resort. We're going to have to be far more flexible and strategic in our campaigning around pay uh, and, and other big issues. Um, so uh, we, we can't underestimate the draconian nature of this legislation. There's other challenges in the medium term. You know, the government's not taking its uh, attack on uh, union facilities off the table. It's sort of put them into the long grass. It's doing a review. It's reserving its right to bring back measures to limit facility time. Um, so that, that could come back um, in, in a few years' time. But uh, the, the, the fundamental problem with the Trade Union Act is the attack on the right to strike. So, Kevin, do you feel we can still organise, organise successfully in the context of the measures imposed by the Trade Union Bill? Very much so. I think we're, we're operating in very fertile conditions for organising uh, in public services. You know, we've had years of uh, cutbacks in public spending, um, job losses, redundancies, outsourcing. This has led to public service workers facing intensification of work, um, job insecurity, and these are ideal conditions for unionisation. And all the evidences of our organising work to date is that it's possible to make very big gains quickly when we uh, focus on uh, these sorts of uh, groups of workers who are being badly exploited uh, in insecure employment, often in small uh, establishments, we can make gains, and I'm very confident that we will make gains in the year ahead. Kevin Nelson touched on some of the work we've been doing here in the Northwest in preparation for the passing of the Act, and particularly deploying teams of organising staff to work in pilot branches to test the systems, the strategies, the methods, and the messaging of how we were going to switch 150,000 of our Unison members here in the Northwest from paying via their wages to paying their union subscriptions via direct debit. And although that's now a campaign that we don't have to roll out across the region, we did learn a tremendous amount from participating in those projects. As a region, we learned a lot more about how to run and lead a large cross-sector, multi-branch organising campaign. But the branches involved have also reported back that they uh, benefited tremendously from participating in those pilots, that they've learned lessons that they'll now take forward into other organising work and building stronger workplace unions. So I went and met with some of the key branch activists and branch leaders who participated in those projects to ask them what they'd learned and what they'll be taking forward in future activity. First I spoke to Steve North, the branch secretary of Salford City Branch. Well it's, it's funny because you wouldn't have welcomed this. Um, and clearly, when we knew that the government were going to be bringing this in, when they announced that it was one of the changes they were going to make, like everybody, I was absolutely appalled that they that they thought that they they had the right to to force us to change a relationship between ourselves and employers within Salford, who were all completely comfortable with it. But we had to react to it. Um, we had to prepare ourselves in case it did, you know, it did come into law. And uh, while we were initially worried and anxious about how we were going to find the time, how we were going to approach it, how we were going to convince people to switch. 
once we got into it, we found it to be a really positive experience. I mean, first of all, it gave us an opportunity to bring the branch together to do something that we were all unified in doing because the nature of, of budget cuts, you know, within within all local government and, and wider public sector branches is that you often have different proposals within different areas. So you have different stewards leading teams of members fighting different battles at different times. What this did is it brought us all together as a branch. And we had one single aim that we all had to, be, to contribute to. Um, it also caused us to improve our communications. Um, we revamped our website. We brought in a new communications officer who, who's really helped us with a lot of innovative ideas. Um, and we just got back to that kind of bread and butter way of, of, of working that you can, you can slip out of when you're so busy with other things, of actually going into workplaces, of talking to members, of being outside the workplace in the morning where you can't always get access when they're coming in to speak to them. And as a result of that, as well as switching a higher number of people than we, than we expected to, we also recruited new members in a way that we hadn't really thought about when we started. So when we, got, when we heard the announcement that it was no longer going to be part of the bill, of course, like everybody else, we were pleased. But also what we wanted to do, and, and certainly as a branch secretary, what I was keen to make sure of is that we didn't just drop it there and, and abandon all the good work we'd been doing. So alongside the Skills for Strength event that the regions held, this has really spurred us on into continuing to develop that organising approach um, and, and getting out there and engaging with members over stuff that isn't just you know, individual grievances or disciplinaries and actually trying to organise a bit more. Um, and we're going to be holding our own uh, event within Salford to look to, to build on that. So... I think it's, it, I say it's a strange one. We wouldn't have wished to have had to go through this if you'd have asked us six months ago. But having become part of the pilot uh, and having put all of the things in place that I've talked about, I think we're a stronger branch for it. Um, so, yeah, on that basis, I think we move forward positively from, from what we've experienced. Theresa Lonnelly is the branch secretary of West Cheshire Local Government Branch. Oh, our branch actually only started on the first of first uh, of March, and um, we've learned to, learned to quite a lot actually. And um, the members are very supportive, and how they the um, they were opposing the trade union bill, and how this uh, conservative government was trying to get rid of our working rights basically. So a lot of the members were like, I'm not having that, I'll sign up tomorrow, all this, that and the other. So you know what, when you go out there and you actually hear that, that really inspires you. So we went on that and we went visited about 20 workplaces and you know, it was amazing because you know, you can't beat face to face. And that is the best thing that we've learned. Now, in the month that we did, we did actually only done 363, which is still quite a number, and we had to stop a load because we won. You know, we actually got it overturned, and what a victory that is. So we were going to go out and thank our members for that support, <clears throat> continue with our recruitment campaign because it's getting out there as well because me as branch secretary, I love going out into the workplace. I don't actually sit in my office very long. I mean, it's a waste of an office, to be honest with you. But I love going out into the workplace. And what I do is people know sometimes on a Monday or a Friday, I'm in certain um, civic suites and they'll pop in to see you about different issues. So it's like a drop-in as well. So they get to know you. And the more, the more they see of you, they think, I want to see that lady, that's it. 
so it, and it cascades on so uh, I have a colleague Jeff Wright also he's the assistant branch secretary and he actually is brilliant too and he went out into the schools and now we've got a bigger issue so we want to continue to drive forward in West Cheshire we want to continue going out there to recruit and um, try and then another campaign that we're thinking about doing is what the trying the government is imposing on the school academy thing is to get out there and stop it or make sure that our members and potentially new members which is what we want to do is protected because the you know the cuts are going to be with the teaching assistants it's always the lower paid that always get the cut yeah yeah so true so true so did you find um, many new people getting involved in the union through this activity um, new new people as in stewards or did we get new contacts we've got we actually uh, went out to um, I don't know whether you know the geography of uh, West Cheshire it's quite big mm. and you know the the mileage span is quite huge so when we went out to the workplace and we started talking we got workplace contacts and which was a great so what I do is I write to that contact and then she cask or he then cascades that message out and puts it on the notice board and bits and pieces. So we've got the foot in the door. And that's great because the, the borough is so big, you can't physically cover it. You know, you're good, but you're not God. That saying comes into my, my remit all the time. But, you know, um, meeting new people, they're looking at you saying, I want a piece of you. And then they, you know, come on and, you know, they shadow and do a little bit of mentoring with them and bring them on. And then the, obviously, Unison itself is a great um, recruitment uh, resource, really, not recruitment, is regarding um, learning new reps and Mm. stuff like that. So they've got great resources in-house to make sure that they're up to speed quite quickly and efficiently as well. Mike Larson is a workplace rep at Wirral Health Branch and was seconded full-time to work with other unison activists and organisers on this pilot project in their area. It was quite exciting working with the regional team, supporting the branch to deliver the Switch campaign. We spent a lot of time mapping our membership, finding out where our members were, updating information. And and what do you think the key lessons were for you for you and the branch? I mean, what, what have... What you did during the project, would you take forward into other campaigns? Mapping was a valuable part of the project and it's enabled us to carry on working strong and organising better within the hospital. And do you think if we do more of that, could could you see us getting more wins for members? Yeah, definitely. Once the members are engaged, since uh, starting the project, we've increased by 400 email addresses alone. So in communications we've sent out since the project's finished... There's been more response. We're getting more emails out to accurate email addresses and contacting our members. So moving forward, that puts us in a better place when we try and contact them with future campaigns. And I know the purpose of the project really was to try to switch the method of payment. Um, but whilst you're out about doing that, did many new people actually join the union? Yeah, we had over 200 new members join because we were high visibility in the workplace every day across days, nights, weekends. So... All different people got to see us across various shifts and in different departments across all the hospital sites. Finally, Jane Clark is a workplace rep at Bolton Metro Branch and was also seconded full-time to run the project at Bolton Local Government. 
Jane, I came out and saw at first hand the impact you were having on the project, and it kind of confirmed to us what Nick McCarthy of the PCS had told us, that the best way to run campaigns such as this is having uh, branch activists and workplace reps working alongside the full-time staff. And that was definitely our experience here in Bolton. So just tell me, what, what was your experience of working on the project? For me, I, I really enjoyed the project because it gave me the opportunity to go out into the workplaces and meet our members. Also gave me the opportunity to, to meet members that I wouldn't normally come into contact with. Um, I could explain to them all about the trade union bill, how it could affect the union, and also working, how working together can make us a stronger union. Brilliant. Well, I want, one of the things that really impressed us about your work here in Bolton is, is you're already a well-organised, you're already a high membership density branch, but you managed to recruit hundreds of people during the course of the project. What, what was it you did? What, what enabled that to happen? I think actually going out into the workplace and talking to the members we've already got gives us the op- opportunity of, of meeting other people uh, members of staff that that weren't in the union. Once they heard us speaking to the others, they became interested. They wanted to know what the union was about, what the advantages and benefits for them particularly would be. And obviously being in the workplace and having that face-to-face contact, we could answer that and we could answer questions specifically to them. Um, so you, you've been out there and you've you've done it. You've, you've helped build a stronger uh, union here, here at Bolton Metro. So what would be your top tip for other branches who want to go raise their membership level and increase participation in the union? I think for me the top tip is being organised. Um, it's knowing where all your members are, mapping the workplaces. Um, as membership officer, that's quite an important role to me and I think it, it works if you work well with the conveners that you've got and your stewards. Knowing what your density of members are in each workplace, where you've got stewards, targeting the place where... Um, Obviously, you've not got as many members. Now, although trade unions successfully campaigned to remove the bang on DOCAS payments from the government's proposals, in 2014-15, the PCS union faced a DOCAS ban when the government moved to remove check-off payments in the civil service. They launched a successful campaign to sign over thousands of their members to direct debit, and I spoke to Nick McCarthy, the PCS's Director of Organising and Communications, to ask what the organising lessons of that campaign were. Well, we went through, what happened in PCS was uh, employers one by one withdrew, um, uh, withdrew check-off or DOCAS. So it wasn't as if the whole union did it at once. So whilst we did some things for the whole union, um, we really focused on each employer as the um, employer gave us notice and then focused our resources in with those uh, reps and activists in those branches and, uh, um, and in all the structures we had within that to try and get them to focus on doing this. We led some of it in the workplace with staff, but we also led quite a lot of it where we could rely on, um, on our activists to deliver that. So, for example, one of the hardest to organise areas uh, for us were the secure areas in the Home Office. One of those were our members who work in uh, Coquelles in France on um, the immigration and um, the customs area there. Uh, and we have a thousand members who work in one of our large branches in the Home Office. In there, they're mobile, they go across to France each day, um, and we got a 96% sign up rate in there. Not one member of staff ever went in there. Not, uh, and we had no contact with that at all apart from talking to the reps because it was virtually impossible to, to talk to those members. Uh, and the key people who did that were good reps on the ground who systematically went round 
uh, on real using real-time statistics, knowing who was signed up and who hadn't, to chase down every single one of those members and get them to sign up to direct debit. It was absolutely fantastic achievement enormously logistically difficult they weren't given any facility time for it they weren't given any access to the employers communication systems to do that it was purely a face-to-face exercise in really difficult scenarios using all of their local organization and all their networks that they had Um, so that is the best example you can have of people using a very very difficult set of circumstances and the reps taking ownership of themselves and delivering it Uh, and if they can do it in that environment you can do it in virtually any environment Um, so in, in terms of that whole process, because that's, that's an amazing transformation, um, what messaging and what messages did you find resonated most with, with uh, union members when uh, you know, the, the activists were going out and having those conversations? Um, well, the, the main message that we used was a, a defend your union type message. We were under a real severe attack, and it was a very obvious attack from some pretty unpopular ministers. Uh, and so that was a, a message which resonate, resonated with quite a lot of members. But what I think we became uh, came to realise was you're not just trying to sign up the members who that message resonates with. You have to look at what messages resonate with all members. And some members... A small proportion, I would argue, are interested in member benefits and some of those things, and you have to pick off the ones that are interested in that. So, what as do you well. define as like the member benefits, like things like, uh, like discounts in, and things discounts like that. and things like that? Yeah. There's a small proportion of members who will find that something that's mildly compelling. You know, um, incentives do work. Incentives help you hit deadlines, if you like. And particularly if you're in a situation where the employer's not withdrawing checkoff on a particular date, there's just a general threat, you can use incentives like win an iPad or something like that to actually create your own deadline. I sign up by this date, switch by this date, and you could be put in a drawer for an iPad. That, that sort of thing does work, creates a sort of dynamic that you can work with, and it will bring in some additional people you wouldn't get otherwise. So it's really, you have to test the messages with the the people you're looking at. So do some piloting, which I know you are doing, and that will give you general messages you can use. Clearly using local issues and land registry as one, um, the the potential privatisation of the land registry has clearly led a lot of people to sign up there, where we have now a sign-up rate of 96.4%. So it's exceeded our average. They've done extremely, extremely well. And so their messaging around that's clearly worked for them. So being recognising that there's a wide variety of members out there and one message isn't going to sign everybody up, albeit the message about defending the union works for a lot of people and that is the sort of mainstay message and then target different messages to different groups like managers and particular professions and things like that that you can identify and really try and hit home what matters to them. So in terms of um, the picture now after the, the process, because obviously it's quite a defensive campaign in one sense. The, the government want to attack trade union membership. They want trade unions to be weaker. Um, so they're making it difficult for people to um, pay their subscriptions. But after that organising uh, campaign, after you know the whole process of signing people across the direct debit, the way you've done it um, with those one-to-one conversations, have there been any other, uh, you know, what's the picture now in PCS? Has there been any other uh, benefits to that campaign other than it just being a kind of war of attrition trying to defend? Yeah, well, it feels like you've been on the defensive for quite a long time. Um, However, as you say, there are lessons you learn and things you can build into the way you organise to help you organise better in the future. 
and the need for people to do face-to-face -face conversations in the workplace has broken down some of those difficult things. People generally don't like doing that. It's difficult to go out and talk to people and we've made it absolutely central to PCS activists' jobs to do that now. And so a lot more of those conversations have been in touch with members who we haven't been in touch with for years. We've got massively better contact details for members. So our records are so much better. We've got um, well over 50% of our members we now have a personal email address for. And that in an environment, a hostile environment that our members are working in, where employer communication systems are very limited that we can use, that's really, really important for us to be able to stay in touch and build on that. So, so that's an important part of it. Um, we're trying to take the lessons that we've learned during that campaign in terms of how we've organised and build it into the permanent structures of the union. Um, we're also trying to do a big investment in IT and improve the way we contact members and the way we interact with members uh, and the way we support our reps, importantly. Coming through all of this is a supporting our reps in the workplace and making them as effective as possible and supporting them in the conversations they need to have with members is really vital in retaining members and growing. Um, our membership's now stabilised. Uh, we're now looking to try and grow. Our membership recruitment's up over the last four months as we've been coming out of the phase of trying to track down individuals and now trying to do broader campaigns. Uh, I think we're feeling a lot more confident having got through this than spending two years really focusing on defence. And now we're very much looking forward to you know, taking the government on, on a number of different campaigns, building our activism in workplaces and building our membership again uh, and making our members feel proud of a growing union uh, and uh, a union that can defend them in the workplace. Well, if you're a Unison activist in the Northwest and you want to find out more about how the Trade Union Act could impact upon your branch or your workplace, uh, keep an eye out for a number of briefings we're going to be holding across the Northwest region in September and October. But in the meantime, if you head over to our website at unisonnw.org forward slash podcast, you'll find next to this month's episode loads of resources and information about the Trade Union Act, including a handy guide we've produced here at Unison Northwest. So um, for in the meantime, thanks very, very much for listening. If you haven't subscribed to us on iTunes or your podcast app already, then please, please do. Um, and likewise, if you've got any questions for us or you want to get involved in the production of future episodes, you can also access that as well as uh, the last month's episode and resources associated with last month's episode on our website, uh, which is unisonnw.org forward slash podcast. As I said, thanks very much for listening.